welcome to Flowing Backwards, a podcast by me, Phil Peake, and the man in Mosley, Mr. Ian Four Candles Moss. This is episode 11, part 2, Mortality, and we are situated in the early 90s to mid 90s, where Ian recounts some good memories, some bad memories, some weird memories, but still at the heart of it is the music. So sit back, relax and enjoy. Greetings pop pickers, welcome back to the tragic comedy of my life. Uh, here we go, this is uh, Mortality Part 2. Um, so we're sort of in the early 90s. Uh, I'll start, as is um, appropriate, with a, a poem. Um, but it's not a poem. Why do I keep calling them poems? I must think they're poems. They're not poems. They're, they were written as songs. This one actually has been recorded as a song by Four Candles. You'll hear it at some point. <coughs> it's about one of my favourite authors, Patricia Highsmith who wrote the Ripley novels, for instance, and uh, Strangers on a Train, which Alfred Hitchcock uh, performed into a very good film. Okay, she was a monster. That monstrous woman and her savage pen weave wickedness once again. Her chilly-hearted psychopaths fix the odds, do the maths. They go on to thrive and prosper once they silence careless whispers. Survival is the main intention. They do not seek redemption. Patricia's men are slippery, calm, never jittery. Patricia's men cover tracks and then they stab you in the back. Where did Miss Patricia find? These men came from Patricia's mind. Patricia's men, Patricia's men, conjured by Patricia's pen. Patricia's men, Patricia's men, murdering once again. There's something rotten inside them. She walked the line twixt good and bad to gold victims, made her glad. Her statements designed to inflame, full of hate, a vicious game, spouting bile that made no sense, causing maximum offence. Every day drinking gin, happy sucking poison in. Patricia's men wear disguise, cooking up their alibis. Patricia's men are diseased, concealed inadequacies. Patricia's men are they a mirror of the monster who is within her? There you go, Patricia Highsmith, in a nutshell. Okay, so my life is very straight and dull it's work and it's looking out for for my mum who's very um fragile um from the loss of of my dad which is something that i don't think she could ever imagine um and she never ever never ever dealt with just essentially waited to die after my dad had, had, had passed away it's the era of acid house everywhere it's what everybody seemingly likes the radio is full of it um it's it's everywhere yeah it's it's everywhere it's omnipresent 
every way you go, they're playing, playing music. Dance music is everywhere. But for all the happy, smiling faces and the bright clothes, the truth is more prosaic. And uh, as bright and shiny as Acid House is, to me, uh, I can't help but um, but notice that it's got a very scuzzy edge to it. The drug of choice, of course, is ecstasy. But along with ecstasy, there's lots of lots of heroin. Certainly locally, there's tons of heroin addiction that I can see. And along with that, there's there's crime. There's lots of burglary. Um, there's lots of violence prostitution i didn't find it very very glamorous at all i liked a lot of the music i like i'd always always liked electronic music right from the infancy of it and and this was no difference there was lots of music i liked but again i didn't particularly like a lot of acid house nights because as i've said before i don't like genre driven evenings so after an hour or so I would be bored witless. I'd want to hear some guitars. I was sick of, you know, beats at 130, you know, BPM uh, all, all night. And it just wasn't, uh, it wasn't really me. I was, I was, I was kind of outside it. Um, I was at, attempting relationships and because I thought that might make me happy and failing dismally. There was, something wrong um i always get on very well with women as friends but as soon as um it got physical um i just i was just wasn't comfortable you know it should have been a huge um buying moment you know where i realized uh, what i was but but i didn't i still labored very much under the misapprehension that i was a straight and heterosexual uh, so I wasn't particularly happy, um, and then uh, concurrent with with this um, is AIDS. Again, absolutely horrible. I had, I had a friend with AIDS who I used to take um, for uh, checks at, at Monsell Hospital, um, and I'd see some of the the poor souls suffering close to death there. It's horrible, um, and these victims of this disease were um, were being uh, pilloried. They were being marginalised and blamed. The chief constable of Greater Manchester famously um, described the uh, gay community who were dying in their droves as drowning in a cesspit of their own making charming religious man mr anderton wonderful human being not um and then um a friend of mine dennis who i've mentioned before dennis um antique dealer extraordinaire and quite a character always made me laugh dennis uh became ill it I suppose it was, I think he must have known what was coming. He, he, he'd always wanted to do a round-the-world trip, and he did it. And then shortly after arriving home, after six months travelling, um, he, he, he became ill. He'd got pneumonia. I remember 
um, seeing him and he was in a shocking state. Eventually he, he went to hospital and he died. He was the first person I knew who died of AIDS. Um, and that, that was really sad. I cared a lot for, for Dennis and, and still think very well of him. So the day of his funeral, I, I worked, it was on a, an afternoon. And so I worked the morning and then came home to my house you know, and showered, got dressed in a black suit, white shirt, tie, black shoes, and I just got a little bit of time to kill. And um, I'd had a picture that I meant to put up, so I, I picked up this hammer to put up um, put up a picture on the wall. And as I picked up the hammer, um, there's a rattling at the door, and um, this credit card comes through the door trying to... Um, prize the 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 door opened somebody's trying to try to burgle me um i'm not in the best of moods as it is i'm just going to a, a close friend's funeral I, I should really have counted to 10 and allowed them to break in where they'd be a little bit trapped but my um impetuosity um overcame me and I pulled the door open and there were two sort of a scaggy um, looking acid house type refugees who, who were there trying to burgle me. I didn't recognize either, either of them, but I, they must have been terrified. You know, this I, I must have looked like um, one of the Cray twins, you know, in this black suit, and black white shirt, black tie with a hammer. And I swung the hammer at him. It's a good job to hit him. I'd killed this person. Anyway, they, they fled down the road. And I'm running down the road after him with people on the streets looking absolutely aghast at this, this man running down the street shouting, I'm going to fucking kill you. Anyway, they were quicker than me. But at some point, as the distance opened up, I uh, like four, like flung the hammer at them, uh, but didn't hit them. And then uh, went went off back home and went to uh, Dennis's funeral. Not a pleasant memory. Not pleasant. <sighs> I've, I've passed the driving test by this stage, probably a few years before, if truth be told. After at the tenth attempt, I was, t I was a terrible driver. I was uh, always having little bumps in the early days in the driving, and um, around this time also because I've got money and nothing else to do with it, I was persuaded to buy a brand new car. The only brand new car I've ever owned. And it cost me £12,000. And um, inside two weeks, I'd been out with this woman and we'd, we'd had a drink and then we'd gone back to my house until three or four o'clock in the morning and had more to drink and then very unwisely, and it wasn't something that I ever made a habit of, I offered to give her a lift home. So I drove her home, having been up since the early hours of the morning with no sleep due to the nature of the job, well over the limit, dropped her off, and driving home, I fell asleep at the wheel. And uh, coming up to a, a bend in the road, heading directly for a, a large, very sturdy brick wall for a head-on collision. Fortunately, um, 
as as the car hit the pavement, my instinct was to pull at the wheel. And in those few seconds, the offside of my car took all the impact, but the brunt of the impact and uh, smashed through the wall. Car was smashed to pieces and I uh, got out with neither a bump or a scratch on me. The car, as I said, cost £12,000, had more than £10,000 worth of damage inflicted upon it. I shouldn't laugh because it's not funny and I'm not making light of, of driving while you're, while you're over the limit and certainly while you're drunk. And the police turned up and I'd reconciled myself, you know, that I'd, I was very lucky to be alive and so losing the license was a small price to pay for it. So the police came along and uh, asked me what had happened and then the policeman said to me um, there's a strong smell of alcohol about you have you been drinking and i replied in the affirmative he said have you been drinking a lot and uh, i said yeah I'm, af I'm afraid i have and so he said blowing this and he passed me a breathalyzer which i blew into and it did not register a thing and he looked at it and he smiled at me and said it's your lucky night isn't it keep that as a souvenir um and, and so i was i was lucky and it was a a lesson learned so let's play some music hey um so it's not it's not acid or anything but i wasn't as i say i wasn't i'm not frightened of electronic music so um let's play a co couple of tracks of, of stuff that i was listening to uh, at this period so the first Daft Punk single, Da Funk, which was the uh, soundtrack to my every Friday night, it was what I would play loudly and get myself in the mood for going out to. Absolutely loved that record as soon as it came out. And also um, Dr. Octagon's uh, Blue Flowers, uh, Dr. Octagon being Cool Keith, who'd been in ultra-magnetic MCs, who's something of a genius. So let's have some music.
knock the octagon Paramedic fetus of the east with priests I'm from the church of the operating room With the strikes of force Scalpel since the holocaust I do indeed and greed Explore, meet the patients Back the rooms with the nurse With the voodoo curse Holding up office lights Standing at huge heights Back and forth, left wing Swing to north East and south With blood pouring down your mouth I can prepare with the white suit And stethoscope Listen to your heartbeat Delete, beep, beep, beep your insurance is high, but my price is cheap. Look at the land. Blue flowers. Run by the purple pond. Blue flowers. Run by the purple pond. Yellow indigo. Blue flowers. Run by the pond. Look, it's raining yellow. Would you care to listen to any more? Thank you. Holding bags on down right from the hospital. It's a patient that's worth to keep the germs off the turf. Cybernetic microscopes and metal antidotes. Two telescopes that magnify the size of a roach. Three computers, a cup of coffee planted with my hand. An astral planet detached, turn on rare foggers. Cut the light on the kid and turn it bright on. Supersonic waves combine and burn his brain waves. I see the mascot of evil, he's not Knievel. Shakespeare's gone, don't even think about him. Yes, as I go into the park. I see blue flowers, it's raining green, about the pond, blue flowers, it's totally raining green, boy, blue flowers, I smell the bees and the birds, blue flowers, different aspects of life. They, the, the job I worked in, um, we'd been very successful. As I say, uh, I'd got a boss, Mike, and then I was sort of number two. And we'd expanded and we'd got uh, eight outlets selling uh, fruit and vegetables as, as franchises inside uh, the supermarkets. Um, we were very, very successful. Um, so this is the, the early 90s and we'd got, turnover of about a million and a half pounds in retail fruit and veg which is not an expensive item in in those days so it's very successful and um and things couldn't have been going better but there was a contingency plan in case things ever got went wrong um mike had, because i'd never been overpaid as i say there's there's always there's always a a carrot on a stick for me one of these days one of these days um there was a contingency plan that if things went wrong there was forty thousand pounds put aside for me uh to set me up so i'm aware of of this it's it's been mooted uh several times 
and then something does go wrong. Uh, there is a, a new regime takes over in, in the supermarkets and we find ourselves being squeezed rules and regulations that haven't applied before are now being applied and it's um we're in collision course and then on a matter of principle mike resigns um i am offered by the supermarket chain the chance to take over some of these franchises very lucrative franchises out of loyalty um I too resign because I know that I've got this £40,000 coming and um, you know it's it, it, it is what it is I want to be loyal but I also want to move on and I'm going to decide I'm going to open a shop on my own with this £40,000 unfortunately um, Mike gives me £20,000 and tells me there isn't £40,000. I don't, you know, it's still a lot of money, but it, it, it means I can't do what I want to do. It isn't what I've budgeted for. Now, I don't fall out with him over that. It's not my nature. I'm not a money-orientated um, person. So I start looking for the shop that I'd originally looked at i can now long no longer afford and I start looking for um premises to open a business of my own um and then life gets in the way again um my mother who i'm quite devoted to i'm spending lots of time with nearly every day i see my mother and every sunday i force her to to go out i take her places because otherwise she would just give up she she contracts uh, an airborne viral disease called erysipelas, which is a very rare disease uh, that dates back to Victorian times and is almost non-existent in these days. And because of that, it takes some time for it to be diagnosed. And it is a horrible disease. It's a flesh-eating disease, and it eats the flesh from all down the side, from head to toe, of the left side of my mother's body. And while it is doing it, fuses um, the joints in her knuckles, in her legs. And, and, it, and it is absolutely horrific. She's in hospital for months and months, in great pain, uh, needing skin grafts and losing the world to live she tells me that she wants to die and i'm i'm not surprised but um i don't want her to die anyway in the midst of all this i'm still looking for a premises and i do find a premises where i can open a shop and uh and so i sign uh, the uh the 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 deeds to um to take over this premises to open a fruit and veg shop and I decided to call it after my dad, Edwin. And so I called the shop Mr. Ed's. And why I've decided that is to give my mum a boost. I know that she will want to see this shop named after her husband. And so I tell her I've named the shop after my dad. And it, and it gives us something to sort of aim for. 
Uh, anyway, I'm not going to talk to you about shots, really. Um, I was the, the lesson I learned over the next six years while I had shots, basically, was I'm very bad at business. I'm not uh, a good capitalist. I'm not ruthless. I care too much about people. Uh, I want to give um, people a square deal. And that means that there's there's no money. I, I earn enough money to pay everybody else and pay the rent, you know, and pay for vehicles and pay me bills. Um, but there's never or rarely any money for me. And I mean rarely. For I'm, I'm poorer than I, I've ever been, and it only gets worse as the years go on. But against that, I make good friends. Um, Larry, um, my old school friend who uh, I've, I've mentioned before, who's the guitar player in James, lives close to the shop. And and, and Larry takes to, to coming in and frequenting the place and we go and have a drink and chat and rekindle a friendship, which is nice. Um, and a lovely thing was on the first day I opened, uh, Mark Riley and Mark Radcliffe Mark and Lard as the trading under have just taken over the breakfast show on Radio 1 from Chris Evans and very much against protocol they give a give my shop in Hazel Grove a uh, an, a name check on the radio and, and for several months uh, students will wander in and say to me are you Moe who Mark and Lard talk about uh, which, which was ever so nice um, what other nice things happen? I, I met Muhammad Ali. Uh, yeah. Um, Muhammad Ali was in Manchester to open um, a, a, a sports bar stroke restaurant. Um, I can't even remember what it's called. Atlas Bar, which was around the corner from the Hacienda. And all the uh, Manchester bigwigs are, are there. And, uh, and and somehow I'm there and I take, take my friend Derek along and... Uh, we get to meet Muhammad Ali, and uh, which is is very nice. That was good. Um, not very often in awe of people, hardly ever. And perhaps the nearest I've ever been to being in awe of anybody was uh, meeting Muhammad Ali. And also, what happens is um, the Sex Pistols um, again becomes news because it is. Um, it's the anniversary. What will it be? Twenty-fifth anniversary, to perhaps, or something like that, since the Sex Pistols played uh, the Lesser Free Trade Hall. And a fella called David Nolan is writing a book about uh, this and uh, doing a, a, a TV program about this called "I Swear I Was There" uh, that I appear on, and uh, and it's good. It's it's a good program. It's well put together, and. It, it creates a bit of interest uh, again in 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 the sort of things that that I'm doing um, bad stuff bad stuff around this time I'm out one night with friends I'm at a 40th um, birthday party that I'm um, invited through them I don't know anybody who's there I'm not I've not gate crashed I'm invited but I don't know anybody and they get into an argument with some people they know. Um, I'm nothing to do with it, uh, but somebody turns on me and attacks me and blows are being traded. 
and somebody else comes from behind me and hits me in the face with a bottle, uh, smashing my nose, smashing my eye, and knocking me unconscious. While I'm on the floor, um, I'm stamped on and kicked. Um, when I wake, you know, there are boot wheels in my head and uh, on my upper body is he's, he's kicked in. And I wake to somebody tending me, saying, there's glass in your eye. Um, think you're going to lose your eye. Uh, and I'm stretched out of there, absolutely covered in blood and uh, taken to hospital. And uh, fortunately, there is not glass in my eye. I don't lose my eye, but I'm, I'm in a very sorry state and I can't work like that. And uh, I'm not making any money anyway. And for, for the month that I can't work, uh, I hemorrhage money because the staff that I've got, try as they might, can't be me. They, they, they can't buy what I buy and things like that. And I'm having to pay them more. And, and so I'm hemorrhaging money. Um, it becomes, obviously, it becomes a police case. Uh, but the police are negligent in when it comes to interviewing people. The key witnesses who live in Cornwall, for some reason, they don't uh, interview. Well, for some reason, because it's too much trouble because they live in Cornwall. And we arrive at um, Crown Courts, Manchester Crown Courts, for my, my day in court. And uh, we gather and the uh, counsel for the prosecution come to me and say, we haven't got a case. We would advise you not to proceed. Um, they will take a police caution. And and we think that's the best that you're going to get out of it, um, which is hugely disappointing. And again, I've, I've never believed in a... In, injustice in this country never believed in the crim criminal system but once again it kicks me in the teeth and because of this because of no compensation you know there's no conviction there's no uh, criminal injuries case or anything because I'm, I'm no nobody's a criminal i could have just tripped over uh, it's hugely uh, depressing um so <laughs> Let's play some music before I, before I start crying about it. Uh, it's very topsy-turvy, as you can tell me, life. So this was out about then. Um, Tilt by Scott Walker. Scott returned, and this is Bouncer C Bouncer. Boo! <laughs> 
Time moves on, and I'm uh, struggling along. A, a good thing is, is Mark uh, is is always there for me. As I say, he's he's bigged up the shop, and uh, and he's uh, doing very well for himself. And he gets us on the guest list for any number of gigs. So we're always going two two or three times a week. We're going to gigs, mostly at um, the international. Um, Watching a, a bands like Granddaddy, um, Mercury Rev. We see the reformed Love, um, Super Furry Animals. Saw a lot. You know, uh, it's it's really good and and, it, and it's it's great morale building stuff. At one point, Mark um, tempts me out to see uh, Iggy Pop um, because and and says, you know. We're going to meet him after, you know, and I'm, I'm going to interview him, so we'll meet Iggy Pop after, which I look forward to. You know, Iggy Pop's meant, um, he's been a huge figure in in my life. 
Um, so we go along and the gig's okay, you know, it's, it's, it's not his finest period. Um, but we go along and we're going to meet Iggy and we get on the tour bus and we sat on the back uh, seats, Mark, I and Iggy. And, um, and, Mark, and Iggy reels off his anecdotes and they're all very polished and amusing and uh, he's charming. But it's all so professional. You know what I mean? It's all showbiz. It's all Iggy Pop and no Jimmy Osterberg. The, the, you don't get a glimpse of the real man. It's all uh, it's all Frankenstein's monster. So that was a little bit um, disappointing. Uh, but, you know, so it goes. Uh, and then, uh, just bouncing along, bouncing along. And then I, I, I have a problem uh, that, that persists. I start having um, blood from my rectum. And so I go to the doctors about this, who gets me an appointment, a hospital to see a specialist. And uh, I go and I'm put in this cubicle to, you know, to strip and put on this this gown while I wait. And it's a flimsy affair. And while I'm in the cubicle uh, undressing and putting on the gown, I can hear the consultant talking to the person before me. And, uh, and, and it's horrific uh, because because while I'm listening to the man and and he, and he tells him that um, he's going to have his legs amputated it's, oh, just wasn't nice uh, important to do anyway I get in and I'm uh, put on this table I'm on I'm, I'm on, on all fours on this table and the doctor um, puts on a rubber glove and uh, starts um, examining my anus prodding my anus with his fingers when um, a nurse rushes in and says, doctor, doctor, come quickly. They're bombing America. And he rushes out, uh, leave, leaving me in a very undignified position on the table with a bum in the air on all fours and uh, and comes back and, and he finishes the uh, examination. And I get in the car and switch on the radio to hear what's happening. And of, of course, um, the date is September the 11th, 2001, and the Twin Towers have, have just been uh, attacked and the world will never be the same and after this horrific act of, of terrorism. Um, it certainly gives you, um, gave me a huge sense of uh, perspective, you know, um, I didn't feel very sorry for myself at all, I promise you. Um, anyway, I'm um, I'm struggling with the business and eventually um, I can't carry on anymore and I inform the staff that I'm going to close down and uh, eventually the shutters are pulled and I walk away from the business and uh, after six years of trying and failing um and you know I'm, I'm i'm sort of okay with it i've lost my house during, during all this uh i've got no money um but i'm all i'm all right because i've never been materialistic uh I'm, I'm all right it's a little bit depressing but i'm certainly not um you know i'm not a bleeding heart about it anyway 
there's there's um it's almost there's almost a relief when you come to a decision like that so closing the shop uh, was almost celebratory so let's play uh, a track let's play eric matthews fanfare and i think we'll also play we'll play two tracks right just because because they're this music music obviously as i've said right from the start music is always the balm for uh for you know a bruised soul so eric matthews fanfare and neutral milk hotel the king of carrot flowers
So I've I've walked away from my business. Um, I sell my van. Uh, unfortunately, that's been involved in a crash just before I've um, I've closed the business. Not my fault, but uh, when when times are hard, uh, these things happen. So the van, which should be worth about four grand, I get a thousand pounds for, and. Uh, I'm on the dole. I'm back living with my mother um, in my 40s uh, on £48 a week, um, which I'm giving my mother £40 of, and um, which isn't enough at, at that, you know, but uh, uh, so, so it is. And then um, I'm hit with how much money I owe the taxman comes and doesn't believe um, the figures that I've put in basically and I'm hit with a tax bill for £23,000 now when your net income amounts to £8 a week £23,000 is a huge looking figure <laughs> um, it's 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 not good you know and um and i'm thrown very much in, into um the uh, situation where the the friendship that i'm offered um is is accepted gratefully and and gracefully and i'm very very lucky that people do look after me my friend derek who i've spoke to uh about earlier in these podcasts derek um i told you had had a, a severe stroke he's still in hospital um still trying to recover from that he's in the meantime had covid19 which he's recovered from but he's still not out of the woods and derek for instance um who i've always gone to football with takes me and pays for me um every football match all over the country Derek takes me along and pays me into the football matches pays petrol if we get lifts you know um, buys me a couple of drinks he even takes me to um, to, to Greece for a European away game um, and I, I could never repay him the money but I could probably never repay him the kindness either Mark is still there, um, taking me out to lots of gigs. Uh, there's a guy who I've met on Smithfield Market when I've been buying the produce, Alan, who is uh, a rough diamond. He is um, he's a hard man with a, with a and sort of nasty temper and prone to streaks of violence. Um, but he like he likes me because he loves the Stooges, and he and he uh, and he finds out that um, that I have loved the Stooges forever, and I've got these original issues of Stooges albums. And Alan's Alan's really 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 good, and he talks to me uh, a lot. And uh, he he comes to me as because I'm needing money, and says. What have you got to sell? He's he's um he's very good 
at selling things on um on over the internet i can't what's it called that thing where you sell things i don't know i don't because i don't do anything like that but alan comes to me and um the sex pistol shirt that i think i've talked about before that i had from paul cook all these years ago that has lain in uh, the bottom of drawers for years it's shrunken it's tatty uh, but it's still there it's a vivian westwood sex pistol shirt that i got off a genuine sex pistol and because i've done these tv shows that lends it credibility and a degree of authenticity and alan says we can sell that for you and so he does he sells me over the internet my sex pistol shirt to a little record company in texas and i get 823 pounds for this tatty piece of rag fantastic Thank you, Alan. Also, that Christmas, he uh, he phones me and and asks me to come around to his house. And I knock on the door, and he opens it just a crack, pushes his hand out, pushes something into my hand, says "Happy fucking Christmas," and closes the door. And he's um, he's put two hundred pounds into my hand as as a gift. Didn't need to. Um, pe- people, again, you see the best in people when uh, when you've got nothing and it and it does it does fill your heart with warmth so you know never give up on people um listening to lots of music there's lots of and it's it's nice having the time uh now to to read and and sit down and listen to things and something something that i picked up on um that absolutely blew my mind was uh, Anthony and the Johnsons, the cripple and the starfish. So let's listen to this. Yeah. 
gazing boredly, anti-checking time did punch me and I sighed and bleeded like a windfall, happy bleedy, happy bruisey. So, these have very much been wilderness years for me. Uh, as you've heard, very little music. I've not been involved. I'm watching, I'm listening, I'm as in love with music as I've ever been. But I, don't, I think it's all behind me. I don't envision a day when, um, when I'll be making music again. I've got all this debt for a start. You know, it's um, it's 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 not looking promising. Anyway, I'm uh, I'm out and about. I'm not that I've got any money to buy anything, but I'm browsing in um, in a record shop or a CD shop because CD has now arrived very much in uh, in Hyde, the home of uh, Harold Shipman and um, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley, um, murder capital of Greater Manchester. I'm in Hyde and I'm I'm browsing through this this shop, and uh, a fella I know um, called Pod comes in sticking up posters. He's a promoter at uh, a venue called the Witchwood. Pod standing for Prince of Darkness, by the way, um, and he's a nice fella. Pod, despite his ridiculous name, uh, and he says to me. Um, I've heard on the grapevine that the hamsters are getting back together. And I, I just laugh and say, no, you know, I don't know where you've got that from, um, but, but no, it isn't true. Uh, but he says to me, well, if it turns out to be true, let me know because I would love to promote a hamster's show. <sighs> so there is absolutely no truth to this. But words uh, are full of power, and the suggestion of um, of a hamster's show gets the cogs moving 
inside my mind. And so I, uh, I approached Bobby and I, and I say, look, if we reform the hamsters, there's, there's a gig waiting for us. You know, Pod wants to put us on at the Witchwood. Um, the Witchwood's a sort of medium-sized venue that, you know, that, that puts on medium-sized bands, you know, and some big ones as, as well at, at the time on the way down or on the way up. Um, so I, I say to Bob, you know, do you fancy doing it? I, I said, I fancy doing it, but if I'm being honest, I don't want to do it with Steve. For one thing, Steve's had a stroke and can't drum anymore. And the other thing is, is it's everything always goes wrong as soon as Steve's uh, involved. So Bobby says, yeah, we'll do it as long as you've cleared it with Steve, as long as you tell him that we're going to do the hamsters without him. Um, we'll do it. Um, so it's th this idea has, has taken on a, a life of its own. So I go over to see Steve and uh, and tell him that he can't, we're going to do the hamsters and he can't be in it. And uh, I go and we go for, for a drink and I sit there and I break the news to him. And uh, he, he looks... Uh, he looks like Bambi. He looks like Bambi has just been shot. He's so utterly devastated at this news. And, and then he sort of rallies and becomes quite combative. And I suggest, you know, he could perhaps do some action painting while we play and um, and, and everything. But it's all a bit hollow. And, and I leave him... Um, and I'm going halfway home, and, and I think I can't leave it like that. So I drive back and say, Steve, you know, if you want to do it, you can be in it. Obviously, you can't drum. I've got a keyboard. You can be the keyboard player. Great, great. So um, I go and tell Bob, I've been to see Steve. He said, how did it go? I said, uh, he's playing the keyboards. And he says, fantastic. I'm glad that's happened. And so... Uh, the hamsters reunion will uh, will be the next part of the of the show. So um, let's leave you with something else that that I liked at the time. Um, this is Earl Brutus and Navy Head, and then uh, I'll say my goodbyes to you for now. All right. So goodbye from me. Goodbye, I'm sure, from my lovely friend Phil. Goodbye to Helen flaming red hair and the beautiful drawings goodbye to you and thank you for listening to us and as always we do love you share this tell your friends and stay safe bye bye yeah he slept and drank it had a tv upstairs and a radio in the bar it was my life for that long <laughs>
out, so they're too busy right trying to wonder where their feet are going, right? Well, thanks a lot for that, Ian. That was a really enjoyable podcast there. Um, hope you all enjoyed it out there. Uh, don't forget www.flowingbackwards.co.uk and on our Facebook page, which is Flow Backwards. Give it a share to all your friends. Give it a share to your enemies even. Whoever, get it out there. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. So long.